All right. I want to say thank you, First Baptist Church. You took up $611 for Ernest this morning. He was overjoyed. So he's on his way to back to Atlanta, from Atlanta to Miami, from Miami back to Atlanta, and then back to Cameroon. Here, the container that you all contributed to help us get things to carry supposed to arrive the 11th of this month, and he wants to be there uh, to help check things in and pray that the taxes won't be so high. That's the problem uh, that he has is paying the tax on this stuff that is donated. And so you as a church, uh, we wrote a letter uh, to give to those custom people there saying that all of this stuff has been donated for educational reasons and, and uh, what have you. Uh, so hopefully it'll fall into the right hands. So be praying for the safety of the container and that um, it can get in without so much tax. I praise God for the years that he has allowed me to try to be a pastor. And through, your, through those years, God gave me several boys um, that surrendered to preach. And some of those are still doing it. And tonight, I'm just so happy to have one of them, Brother Brian Goss, with us to preach tonight, and his lovely wife, Carol Ann, and uh, their daughter, Taylor. Uh, Brian is like a son, and uh, Carol Ann's like our daughter, and Taylor's like our granddaughter, and uh, they are precious to us. And I know you Lydia people love him, and I hope you'll continue to love him, because he, he loves y'all. Brian, son, you come and uh, preach God's word as, as he leads you tonight and closes you see fit, son. Well, good evening. So good to see you all in the house of the Lord this evening. And I thank God for Kenny and Lynn Owen. A lot that has to do with why Caroline and I are where we're at today in ministry is because of this dear couple who did not give up on us. And I thank God for Kenny and Lynn Owen. And uh, Westminster First Baptist Church, uh, you have a jewel in these two. I know you know that. And I praise God for them. I want to thank you all for the wonderful music this morning. Brother Mark for leading them. I thank you choir uh, for the wonderful singing. I thank you musicians for the wonderful play. But at this time I want to share God's word with you. And uh, I noticed that Kenny has a clock up here on this pulpit. So I don't know if that's a sign or what. Uh, I've got a... 610 flight in the morning so I'm going to try to not be too late but uh, I praise God for for being here with you this evening does that mean I've got 20 minutes or 30 don't pay it any attention okay you heard him he said don't pay it any attention so if I go over it that's okay amen all right I praise God for you and I thank God for this opportunity this evening And if you would, go ahead and be turning God's Word with me this evening to Psalm 51. As you see there on the screen, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 17. And last weekend, I was wondering, what am I going to preach for this rally? At the time, I thought it was just revival. And so you're going to hear a lot of the words revival this evening. Reflections on the results of revival. So I ask if you would, as you're already doing, please stand for the reading of the word of Almighty God. David's speaking here, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had had sexual relations with Bathsheba. And David said, Have mercy upon me, O God, 
according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in inequity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Father, I thank you for the opportunity once again to proclaim your holy word. And now, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will have free and full reign in every heart. Lord, I pray that Satan would be bound. He has no place here. Father, I pray that our hearts would be moved. I pray this evening, Lord, that the backslidden would be revived that the loss would be found, and that your church would be better edified when they leave here this evening than when they came through the doors. For it's in Christ's name I do ask. Amen. Uh, you may be seated. And I was thinking last weekend as I was writing this sermon, I was thinking, what exactly do I want to preach on uh, to start off this uh, rally for Jesus? And of course, at the time, like I said, I was confused as to the way I was supposed to word it, and so I didn't word it exactly maybe the way I should have, but regardless, at the end of the day, we need revival, amen? We all need revival. We all need to rally for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we do that by a transformed heart. And so with that being said this evening, I wrote this thinking about there's going to be other pastors, other preachers who are going to come after me. In the coming weeks. And I just want to lay a foundation this evening for you to build upon. Understand that what I'm going to talk to you about this evening is very crucial. Because before revival can come, there must first be confession. And there must be repentance. Think about that. Confession and repentance before Almighty God. And so I want you to be thinking about this this evening, it's this evening as I speak to you on this, <clears throat> and as we get ready here, <clears throat> excuse me, to go into this part of Scripture, I just want to give you a little bit of background. 
David here penned a psalm of repentance to Almighty God because of his sin with Bathsheba. And you can read the full episode. You can read the tragic and dire consequences. You can read of God's rebuke of David through the prophet Nathan found in Psalm 51. But just very quickly, excuse me, you find it in 2 Samuel, rather, chapters 11 and 12. And he's confessing here in Psalm 51. But just very quickly, what uh, it says in 2 Samuel, chapters 11 through 12, just a quick breakdown. In the spring of the year, when uh, kings would go out to battle, we're told that David stayed home. And he was walking out on his roof one evening, a flat roof there in Israel. And he looked over the palace wall and he sees this beautiful lady taking a bath. And so as he looks at her, he lusts for her. He calls his servants to go get her. They bring her to his home. He sleeps with her that night. He sends her back home the next morning. And then a little later on, he gets word that Bathsheba is with child. Now, her husband, Uriah, is a faithful soldier in God's army and in David's army. And so, he says, I know what I'll do. I'll just have Uriah come home. And as Uriah comes home, of course, he'll go to his house and he will sleep with his wife. And I'll just say, well, that's his child. He'll believe that's his baby. But Uriah was such a faithful servant of the king, David himself, and of the tribes of Israel and of the military of Israel, that he refused to go home whenever he had other men on the battlefield fighting. So he stayed right there at the door of David's palace guarding the king. David tried to get him drunk. He still wouldn't go home. So David said, well, I guess I'll just have to do something desperate. So he writes to Joab the commander of the armies of Israel, a letter basically saying, put Uriah at the front of the battle. And whenever you do that, step away from him that he may be killed in the battle. And so here is Uriah, a faithful servant of David who loved David, walking back to Joab, his commander-in-chief there. He is walking back to him, and he has his own death warrant in his hand. Think about that. Here comes this man, and he hands that to Joab, and of course we know the rest of the story. It wound up happening that Joab was killed. So David now is guilty of adultery. He's guilty of murder, among many other things. And so at this point, if anybody needed revival, it was King David. David needs revival in his life. This man, after God's own heart, as we're told in God's word, has fallen into great, deep, disturbing, penetrating, disgusting, defiling sin before Almighty God. He goes for over a year living in the sewage of his sin. He doesn't confess his sin. He doesn't repent of that sin. And he, it has compromised his relationship and his fellowship with Almighty God. Now his relationship is still secure, but that fellowship has been broken. And he refuses to go on and do what God would have him to do. He's a walking dead man for over a year. Covered in shame and guilt because of his sin. But finally God sends Nathan the prophet. Nathan comes into David, and he has a little word with David, and he says, David, he said there was this man had a little ewe lamb, and said that little lamb was like a pet to him. That's all he had. He didn't have much. 
said, this man next door, David, he was a very rich man. He had all he could ever ask for. He had a, he had a guy come visit. You know what he did, David? Of course, I'm paraphrasing. He said he took that man's little ewe lamb that sat at his own table and ate and slaughtered that for his guest. David was enraged. He said, that man shall die. That man shall repay for what he's done. And then Nathan said, you are the man. David was cut to his core. David finally, after all that time, through God rebuking him through Nathan the prophet, he is finally to the point to where he is willing to confess his sin, to repent of that sin, and finally get back on track with Almighty God. By the grace of God in David's life, he is brought back into that right relationship. He is sanctified. He is justified. He is revived through the Lord Jesus Christ working in and through him. And you say, how was Jesus working in his life? Jesus is God, isn't he? Jesus was alive before he came to this earth, wasn't he? Amen? And so he's working in his life even then. And so I just want to share with you a few moments this evening some reflections on the results of revival because I want you to understand this thing. We all need revived. It's so easy to drift from Almighty God in our relationship with Him and our commitment to Him. And so I want to share some things with you this evening as far as reflections. Reflection number one, revival results in the removal of sin. Results in the removal of sin. I'm going to look at several verses here, just go through them very quickly. Look at verses one through five, first of all. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless <clears throat> when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in inequity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. Now go down to verses 9 and 10. He says, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my inequities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now look at verse 14. David says, Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, <clears throat> O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. There must be the removal of sin from your and my life before revival will come. Without confession of sin, without repentance of sin, revival will not come. That must be first and foremost in our lives if we expect revival to come to First Baptist Westminster, Lydia, or anywhere else. David has been weighed down by his sin now for a year. He is filled with guilt. He's filled with shame. He has not repented for over a year now. And David has been hiding his sin. He's been trying to cover up his sin. He's been trying to get away with his sin. And then God comes through the prophet Nathan and uncovers everything that Almighty that, that David himself uh, has tried to hide. You need, to, you need to realize whenever we sin, that is exactly what happens. Whenever we don't keep short accounts with God and our fellow man, our sin will find us out. 
our sin will find us out. It's not a matter of if, but when. Your sin will find you out. My sin will find me out. And David was brought face to face with the consequences of his sin. But finally, David confesses. David repents of that sin. And through that confession, through that repentance of his sin before Almighty God, uh, he is restored. Now very quickly, I want you to notice a few things. In verses 1 through 4 there, David asks God, first of all, he says, blot out my transgressions. He goes on there and he says, God, I want you to please cleanse me, wash me from my iniquities, wash me from my sins. Cleanse me, Lord God, as only you and you alone can. He asks for God's mercy. And then David acknowledges his transgressions. David is basically saying, Lord, while I held out from repenting of my sins, my sins held me down. They crushed me. They had a hold on me and they haunted me during that time. Understand that the Holy Spirit of God will come down upon you as hard as he has to in order to get you to confess and to repent of your sin. He'll do whatever it takes to get you back right with him. Listen, if you're going to have a rally, if you're going to have revival, you've got to understand that it takes forgiveness. It takes confession. It takes repentance coming back to Almighty God. But everything that you have in you for his honor and for his glory. Jesus Christ did not come to this world in order that he may just take us and rejuvenate us for some particular reason. He came to have a relationship with you and I. Jesus Christ didn't come to this world to reform you and I. He came to revive us. He came to make you and I new creatures in himself. If you're going to have revival, that's what it's going to take. And understand that whenever there's sin in the camp, you stifle the moving of the Spirit among the congregation. Sin in the camp. Some people say, why are our churches failing? Why are our churches losing ground? Why are people leaving the church? And i tell you one of the main reasons why is because there's unconfessed sin in the church itself. Unconfessed sin. That hinders revival. That hinders God's work in your life. David went on in verse 10 to say, God, give me a clean heart. He goes on in verse 11, or excuse me, verse 14. He's right there in verse 14. If you look at it, what's he doing? He's actually confessing the murder of Uriah. And then if you look at verse 17, what is he doing? He Once again, he looks and he says, God, I'm broken. And understand, if you're going to have forgiveness of your sins, if you're going to be right with Almighty God, if you're going to be brought back into a right fellowship with Him, if you're saved... You're going to have to have a broken heart over your sin. Brokenness is required in order to have confession and repentance and for it to be sincere. We must be sincere about these things, sincere and broken in our heart because we know we've broken Almighty God's heart first and foremost, but we've also broken other people's hearts around us. It's not just God that we sin against, it's uh, against Him most of all, but we also sin against others so many times. We must freely forgive others, but we must also ask for forgiveness if we're going to have it ourselves. I want you to understand this evening that if you renounce the Father's absolute sovereignty in your life and over your life, if you reject Christ the Son's, 
absolute authority in your life, if you rebel against the Holy Spirit of God's admonition within your life, you will not have revival. It will not come. Because God does not work amongst rebels. Where are you at this evening? Where are you at in your walk with Jesus Christ? Where are you at in your faithfulness to Him? Are you ready to be rallied? Are you ready to be revived? It will only come as you repent. As you fall on your knees before Almighty God. Sin must first be removed. Then and only then revival can come. Reflection number two. Revival results in a reestablished solidarity. Look at verses 10 through 12. David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. It's the result in reestablished solidarity. That word solidarity, solidarity there, it simply means to be complete in unity. Because David was truly and honestly sincere in his confession and his repentance of his sin, David was brought back and reestablished in solidarity with Almighty God. He was completely reunited in his fellowship with Almighty God. Now, I don't want, I don't want you to miss what David's trying to tell you here. Don't miss what he's saying here in these words of his as you look at this part of it. First of all, in verse 10, David says, I renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now that word renew is a clue to us. That word renew means that there was a point sometime in the past in David's life when he had a steadfast spirit before Almighty God. He had a spirit before Almighty God that was steadfast. He was anchored in his faith. He was anchored in his commitment to Almighty God. He was faithful to Almighty God at one time. He was a legion. David asked God in verse 11, he says, don't cast me off, Lord. He says, don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. And then in verse 12, David said, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Now what we need to understand here is through confession and repentance, David was restored. He was renewed in his relationship, his fellowship rather, with the Lord. And what you and I need to understand is this as well, as hard as it may be for some of you in this room to understand it or even to believe it. David was saved before David sinned. David was saved after David sinned. He was saved before it. He was saved after it. Listen, the Holy Spirit of God never left David. He didn't abandon David. He didn't go away from David. He was there. Once God saved, sealed, secured David in himself, he wasn't going to abandon him. He wasn't going to neglect him. He was not going to reject him. And praise God, if you're saved, he won't do that to you as well. What grace we have from God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Holy Spirit Himself, He does not leave us, He squeezes us. Even tighter. Whenever you and I mess up, you feel that conviction. And listen, if you feel the conviction of God when you sin, you praise God for it. That's a good sign you're saved. If you sin and you don't care, 
you need to have a talk with Almighty God. You need to be at this altar this evening making things right with Him. David was saved. Yes, he lost the joy of his salvation, but he never lost his salvation itself. David, listen to me, David had lost his fellowship with God, but he never lost his relationship with God. That relationship was still there. That relationship was still intact. Because of the grace of God working in his life. Did David sin? Yes. Did David sin horribly? Yes. Did David sin beyond the point of forgiveness? Absolutely not. No, he did not. You see, the problem with you and I, you and I, we like to judge sin based upon the severity of that sin, do we not? We like to put sin in boxes and in stages. Well, this here gets you this, and this here gets you that, and that's a little bit worse than that one, and on and on we go. But the Almighty God, sin is sin, period. Period. And so understand this evening that you can still append from this church and bust hell wide open just as quick as you would if you were a serial killer. Your salvation is not based upon anything whatsoever that has to do with your good works. It's all solely based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's the only thing that can save you. That's the only thing that can cleanse you, but here's the good news. When Jesus Christ saves you, He not only cleanses you, praise God, He clings to you. So many people say, oh, if I can just hold on to my faith, if I can just hold on to my salvation, I'll be okay. Friend, you better thank God that He's holding on to you. Because you can't hold on to Him, but He can hold on to you. And He will hold on to you if you truly belong to Him. Listen to what Jesus said in John 10, 27-30. Just put that down in your margin. John 10, 27-30. And listen to this very quickly. Jesus here, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Once he's got you clenched, you're clenched. You're his. You belong to him forever and ever more. Forgiveness is based on Christ alone. So David has solidarity restored with Almighty God through his repentance of his sins. And understand that repentance brings salvation to the sinner and it brings solidification to the saints of God whenever we're made right with Christ our Savior. You can be solidified this evening. You can have that solidarity with the Lord Jesus Christ once again if you've broken fellowship with Him. But you must do that, and you must do it in faith, meaning that whenever you say it, it reinforces our fellowship with Him. And not only that, it makes way for the Holy Spirit of God to work in our lives in a new and a mighty way for the glory of Almighty God. Reflection number three. Revival results in renewed surrender. Look at verse 10. He said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David desired a clean heart before Almighty God. He desired a steadfast spirit before Almighty God. 
And if revival is going to come, you and I must desire the same thing. You and I must be committed in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I must be willing to remain anchored in our commitment to His Holy Word, to His perfect will for our lives, and we must be willing also to walk in His righteous ways according to what He would have us to do. Are you doing that this evening? Are you being faithful? Are you doing what the Lord Jesus Christ would have you to do for His honor, for His glory? You see, revival is going to require re- repentance. And listen, it's also going to require much effort from you. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to have this rally? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to have revival? Are you willing to do whatever it takes for Almighty God to have the glory in your life? It's going to take surrender. Listen to me. We can't just straddle the fence with Almighty God and expect Him to fan the flames of revival in our midst. It's not going to happen, folks. You've got to be serious about this. You have got to be serious. Let me ask you some questions very quickly. Are you serious about being obedient to the Scriptures? Are you? Are you serious this evening about having a closer fellowship with Jesus Christ? Are you serious this evening that if God called you to go anywhere and do anything, you'd be willing to do it? If you can't answer yes to all four of those questions, I promise you on the authority of the Word of God, revival will not come to you. It won't come. You've got to be sold out to Jesus Christ if you're going to have a true revival. You've got to surrender to Him, allow His perfect will to replace your desires. Without a sincere yes, it's not going to happen. And listen, anything other than yes and obedience is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. You've got to be serious about this. You've got to really surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ if it's going to happen. Reflection number four. Revival results in revolutionized service. Look at verse 13. David said, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Think about that. What's David doing here? This revival in his heart has resulted in a revolutionized service for the Lord God. He's saying here, you know what? I'm, I'm interested in evangelism again. I'm interested in teaching the Word of God again. For over a year, David has been out of fellowship with Almighty God. He hasn't been teaching the Word of God. He hasn't been evangelizing. He hasn't been leading anybody to God. It's hard to lead souls to Christ whenever you yourself are stuck in sin. Amen? You've got to be obedient. You've got to be willing to do what God would have you to do. The past separates us from fellowship with Almighty God. Unconfessed, unforsaken sin causes the believer to just drift further and further apart from Almighty God in our walk with Him. You must understand that this evening. Bottles become dusty when believers become dirty. Think about that. As I was writing this, that just came to my heart as clear as day And when God gave me this message. Bibles become dusty when believers become dirty. Prayers go unspoken. And even if they are spoken during that time, they're not heard. 
For God's word tells us plainly in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard inequity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. He's not going to hear you during that time. What is he waiting on? He's waiting on true and genuine repentance from you. He's waiting on you to come back to your first love, who is God himself. David wasn't following God's will for that whole year whenever he was sinning and refusing to repent of that sin. I guarantee you that soul winning wasn't on his mind. That wasn't what he was concerned with. David was concerned with covering up his sin. Period. Period. He did not want anybody to know the horrible sins that he had committed against God and others. But now, praise God, he's been revived. He has been rekindled in his relationship with Almighty God. It's as if David has been set on fire for God again. And because he has been set on fire for Almighty God again, David is back in business for the Father. Some of you, God has gifted in very special and mighty ways, but you've allowed those gifts to dwindle. You've allowed those gifts to become stagnant. And you've used every excuse in the world. Maybe you said, well, I'm too old now. Maybe you said, well, I just hadn't got time. Whatever it may be, you have allowed Satan to rob you of God's blessings because you refuse to do what God's called you to do. Don't do that. Listen, don't do that. Listen, Almighty God loves you. And I'll tell you something else this evening. Some of you may have the feeling in your heart this evening. You may be saying, well, you know what? I have fallen so far. You don't understand, Brian, what I've done. No, I don't. But I tell you what. God's Word tells us here that David repented and God used him again. And friend, let me tell you something this evening. If God, if God gave David, of all people, the chance to get it right again, he'll give you the chance to get it right again. Don't you allow anybody, including Satan, self, or anyone else, to tell you that you've fallen so far that God can't use you for his glory any longer. God can still pick you up, he can clean you up, and God can call you up for duty. He can call you up for active service, for His honor, for His glory, if you will allow Him to. Would you allow Him to do that? Would you allow Him to use you in a mighty way once again? I wrote this in a sermon I done a few weeks ago, and I thought it would be good to share here. I want you to understand, there's no sin God will not forgive you of. There's no vice God will not free you from. And there is no service God will not provide you with and allow you to go forward with and fit you for if you will trust and obey Him. Are you willing to trust Him? Are you willing to obey Him? There is no sin He won't forgive you of. Understand that this evening. No vice He can't free you from. What are you going through? What are you addicted to? What is holding you back? God can heal you. God can free you. There's no service he can't fit you for if you'll trust and obey him. Are you doing that? Are you willing to do that? Are you allowing him to do that? Praise God, he came back to God and you can come back to God this evening. Revival itself, and I love this definition from Webster. It's one of my favorite ones for revival. It says that revival is a coming back, a coming back into use after a decline 
a coming back into use after decline. Some of you have declined. Some of you have backslidden. Some of you have went down in your walk with God. You're not where you were once. You're no longer reading God's Word and truly reading it and studying it every day. And I would say just reading God's Word and shutting it and just saying, well, I did my daily Bible reading. That's not studying reading God's Word. That's not spending time with God. You've got to take time to allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak to you through that Word. Some of you are not taking adequate time anymore in prayer. Some of you are not taking adequate in giving God quality and quantity time that He deserves. He's to be your supreme love, your number one relationship. He is to come before all others. Some of you need to come back to your first love this evening. Are you going to do that? You get clean, you get back in the center of God's will for your life, and He'll bless you. Then finally, reflection number five. Revival results in restored solace. This is how good God is. Look at verse 8. He said, Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. David says, Lord, my joy is gone for my salvation. I feel like I'm being crushed by you. I feel like your hand is upon me, and you're breaking my bones. While he did not repent of his sin, he was full of anguish. He was full of guilt. He was full of shame. He was full of sorrow because of what he had done with Bathsheba, because of what he had done to Uriah, because of all the other sin that he had fallen into during that time. But you know what? Through confession and repentance, Almighty God restored David's solace. He gave him that sweet serenity once again. David had a peace in his life that he hadn't had in a long time. Maybe you have backslidden. Maybe you're lost this evening. Maybe you're one of these who was a prodigal. Maybe you need to come home this evening. Who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? Some of you need to come back to Christ. Some of you need to allow the Lord Jesus Christ to work in your life again like you never have before. David had a peace, David had a joy. David had true meaning. David had true purpose once again in his life. A purpose that he hadn't had in quite a while. Because God was working in his life once again. Where are you at this evening? Maybe you're one of those who was the prodigal. Maybe you're one of those you would say, you know, I'm not where I once was with the Lord Jesus Christ. I used to have a great relationship and fellowship with him, Brian, but you know what? I've let it slip. I've gotten off into sin, or I've just got into the sin of laziness, and I'm not where I once was. I need to be revived. I need to come back to my first love. Maybe you're one this evening, you say, you know, Brian, I don't really know if I've ever truly even been saved, if I was going to be honest about it. I don't know if I left right now whether or not I'd go to heaven or whether I'd bust hell wide open. Listen to me. God's Word tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. David said in Psalm 30 and verse 5, he said, His anger is but for a moment. His favor is forever. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. 
If you truly repent of those sins, if you truly allow God to work in your life, if you truly allow Almighty God to come into your heart and to transform you, I promise you on the authority of the Word of God this evening, He will. He'll cleanse you. He'll forgive you. He'll give you that solace. So I ask you this evening, where are you? Maybe you're one of those this evening. You would have, if you were going to be honest, you'd have to say this evening to Almighty God, you'd have to say, you know, I'm backslidden. Well, if you're backslidden, I'd say to you, come home. Come home. Be revived. And if you're lost, I'd say, come home. Be saved. What do you need this evening? Do you need to be revived? Or do you need to be saved? Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. I want you to just do business with Almighty God here for a moment. Say, Lord, speak to my heart. Allow God to scrutinize your soul right now. Allow Him to speak to your heart right now. I want all heads bowed. I want all eyes closed. Now all heads are bowed. All eyes are closed. No one is looking except for me around this room. I won't see you peeking. I'm not going to put you on the spot this evening. I'm not going to make you do anything once I get finished here, but I just want to ask you to be honest. Say, Brian, I need prayer. I'm not where I once was in my relationship with Almighty God, and I need prayer. Would you pray for me? If you would like that, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand and put it back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Any others? Just pray for me. Thank you. Any more? Just pray for me. Maybe you're in here this evening you'd say, Brian, I'm not even sure that I'm saved. Like I said, I'm not going to put you on the spot. But if you say, Brian, I'm not even sure that if I died right now, if I'd go to heaven, would you be willing enough and have enough courage to just raise your hand while nobody's looking and just say, Brian, pray for me about that because I'm not sure. Could I see your hand? Anybody? Father, I lift these people up to you this evening. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to their hearts. I pray you will revive First Baptist Westminster as only you can. Lord, I pray you'd put a hedge of protection around Kenny and Lynn as they lead this flock. Lord, bless them in their home. Bless every heart and every home represented here in this church. Those who are here in, in the presence of this service and those who are away. Lord God, I pray you'll do a mighty thing among them. Lord, I pray you'll fan the flames in their hearts and it will spread throughout this community like a wildfire. It would spread from here throughout this county, throughout this state, throughout this country, and even to every continent of the world. Lord, you can do it. You can do it. Lord, I pray now that your will would be done in Christ's name. Amen.